The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. The love of God. Do you ever reflect on the fact that, yes, God loves you? In Exodus chapter 15, there's a great verse. Exodus 15, 13 says this, In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Well, we'll expound on that a little bit and talk about the love of God and the benefits of knowing the Lord. But this is Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. Alex McFarland here, so honored that you're listening. And I am at the mic with my brother, colleague, and friend, Bert Harper. And Bert, isn't it good to come back to the basics and talk about the blessing of God and His love for us and His guidance in, in all of our lives? That's reassuring to us, isn't it? It is, and He is a guide that knows where to take us. I don't know if you've ever been on a tour or not that sometimes, why did they bring us here? You know, I've gone, have you ever gone on a, what to call ghost tours, Alex? It's been a while, but we did, and I have a story about one of those, but go ahead. Yeah, well, I've been on two. One was Gettysburg, and the other one's Charleston, South Carolina, and, uh, you know, again, they're at night, and and it's just their interesting way, really, of telling the history. They're really not uh, conjuring up ghosts or anything. They call them that, you know, that's a gimmick to get you in those that like such things, but I learned a lot. But listen, on those tours, of two or three of them, I'd say, why in the world did they bring us here? Jesus, you know, he's our guide. God would guide us. And ever so often, we'll get to a place, God, why have you brought me to this place in my life? And I, I want to just tell you, he will lead his people. He will lead you. He is the redeemer. He is the satisfier of the soul. And he is the one that has this unfailing love. And Alex, according to Romans 8, 28, and then verse 29, he doesn't waste anything. God takes all the things that come to us, and he is able to work it for good. And what is the good? Not ease, not just relaxation, not retirement. But according to verse 29, it's to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. That is where he's taken us that we might be more like Jesus. So that is a great benefit of his love, isn't it? Well, amen. I mean, the the leadership of God and to know that he does have a plan for each and every life. And uh, none of us really knows what tomorrow is going to hold, and certainly not six or 12 months from now. And yet we know that God will lead us. You know, I'm I'm just in awe, and my wife Angie, she would concur how God has led us uh, through our years of marriage and family and ministry and just doing so many things. And if you look back, you realize that when you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus, He guides you and sustains you and carries you. Uh, and if we're honest, it's, it's a journey none of us could have planned out. <laughs> You know, and yet he is so faithful. I got to tell you this story. We did a thing. In fact, this was my first book, the Fifty States in Fifty Days tour. 
And this was 20 years ago, and we, we went to 50 states in 50 days, but we were going to Salt Lake City, Utah to preach at a church. Now, that, 20 years ago, this is when GPSs were very, uh, I guess, in development still. Nowadays, you can put something in your phone and GPS, and it'll probably get you there with good accuracy. But we were coming from Nevada to Salt Lake City on the 50-state tour, and we had... Um, uh, two RVs and a minivan, and we had nine people in our team. And anyway, um, the w- one guy on our tour was really adamant that we stick to the map, the paper map. But then we had another driver who had a GPS, but it was pretty primitive. Well, long story short, we got off on this mountain, and the 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 road got more and more narrow. And then finally the pavement got kind of old and there was grass coming up through the cracks. I I remember this vividly. And, you know, imagine one of these great big RVs. Well, finally, the road was so narrow we just couldn't turn around. And the pavement ended. And and I said to the driver, you know, and I was the the preacher and we had singers. But I said, look, uh, this is not going to get us to Salt Lake City. And he said, yeah, but... But I've got this GPS, and it says there's a highway. And somehow, just on the other side of these mountains, I'm going to see Salt Lake City. I'm certain of it. Well, all of a sudden, we just had to stop because, I mean, there's no more road. Now, we're on top of a mountain, and the road down by the side of the road, it was this drop of hundreds of feet. And suddenly, two men on four-wheelers crest over the front of the mountain, and they see this giant... Have I ever told you this no, story? No, I before? haven't heard. We're, we're enjoying it here. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so imagine we're up on top of just a, a frighteningly high mountain. There's a hundreds-of-foot drop-off just to the side of the road. These two guys in orange jumpsuits, and they look at us like, what is going on? And... Uh, and the guy, Gerald, that was the bus driver, he said, well, the GPS says there's a highway. He says, well, someday there's supposed to be a highway here. But he said, what you're on now is an abandoned logging trail. <laughs> well, you've heard of a three-point turn. Well, what we had was about a 103-point turn. Uh, we un- unhitched this car we were towing. Yeah. And this RV, little by little by little by little, had to make a turnaround on top of a mountain. And I, I kid you not, folks, it was a, a, a cliffhanger. The front wheels of the RV were like within 12 inches of going off of this cliff. Well, Alex, and, I got a question. Did you get out of the RV and watch it or stay in the RV and trust it? Well, what, which I got one out. did you do? We had $20,000 worth of TV equipment that had been loaned to us. We even took all the equipment out. <laughs> and if you, you know, these RVs with these air brakes sometimes can unexpectedly lurch forward. And I'm telling you, we were praying as he made this turn inch by inch by inch. Now, my point in sharing this, and we did get down the mountain by the grace <laughs> of God. You're here to tell about it, right? <laughs> and we got to our next event, and the 50 States and 50 Days Tour went on schedule. But my point is this. Um, 
a, a faulty GPS led us out into a dangerous, literally dangerous part of the wilderness. The good Lord Jesus will never lead you astray. And, you know, I, I've shared this verse with so many young people, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. And this is very critical, folks. And maybe you need to search yourself right now and ask, are you really yielding to Christ in not some of your ways, not most of your ways, but all your ways? Acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. And Bert, one of the benefits for which we're grateful, one of the benefits in knowing the Lord is His guidance. It is, and He will guide you all the way. That's why I I believe, uh, you know, the 23rd Psalm is so good. You know, He leads me. Uh, and, and he really does. He leads us. We need to let him lead us. And in, in his unfailing love, uh, you know, we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lord. He has placed his Holy Spirit in us. It's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. And so we have the Holy Spirit leading us inside, and we have the Word of God to read to help us uh, as our eyes view that and as our mind protect that. So, Alex, <clears throat> we can depend upon God. Now, listen, that doesn't mean that we won't have some unexpected uh, detours along the way. They come that way. But when we come into those detours, he has something for us there that if we'd have stayed straight, we would have missed. So, so you know, we depend upon him. We lean upon him. And he is the one who is our guide. What a great blessing it is to know and acknowledge that we can depend upon him. And your story lets us <laughs> know that, yes, the best that the world can produce is unreliable. But God is always reliable, brother. He really is. And folks, what we're going to do, we're going to talk about the benefits of knowing the Lord. And this scripture, I want to take this as our kind of our, our jumping off point, but it says in Exodus fifteen thirteen, in your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. See, if you're a Christian, there, there, there's a destination. There's a journey that's very purposeful and deliberate and worthwhile, but there is a destination, and your life is going somewhere. Uh, God has not abandoned you, and you're not out here just drifting. No, you're going somewhere. You're headed to God's holy dwelling to be with the Lord forever. Uh, our nation needs to rediscover its purpose, and and we'll circle back to this, but uh, Bert, somebody that's just fascinating was Samuel Johnson. He was this amazing leader, and he uh, twice tried to start a school and twice twice failed and went bankrupt. He only had one pupil, and it was a famous Christian actor named David Garrick. But Samuel Johnson, who was one of the great thinkers of the 18th and 19th centuries, uh, of the 18th century, rather, but he said, quote, no people can be great who have ceased to be virtuous. And over and over, he warned, you know, Britain, the people of his day, and it's, it's a, a, an admonition worth heeding that we cannot be great without morals and boundaries. And so when we're talking about the guidance of God, let's remember the guidance of our nation. And our nation was built on the Judeo-Christian worldview, 
Uh, Bert, I more than the economy, more than international affairs, the thing that really does trouble me and cause me to pray probably about more than anything, I, I'm concerned for our nation that we've lost our moral compass. And without a, a clear sense of God's truth and moral boundaries, uh, we are lost at sea, aren't we? We are. What was it the great Frenchman philosopher de Tocqueville said? Uh, he, Alexis de Tocqueville. What, he was looking for the greatness of America, and uh, he said it's not in a great industry and not in our great agricultural fields. But when he heard the pulpits crying out for righteousness, I found out the strength of America. America is good, and if America ceases to be good, it will cease to be great. Sounds a little like Samuel Johnson. Hey, we'll be back with more right after this break. More of Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. Who's bringing us back? I will. I will. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Everybody here looking for revival In our own hearts and across the land Exploring the Word, Bertie and Alex with you here, and this is a pre-recorded program for Exploring the Word, and so there'll not be phone calls at the end of the program, but we want you to stay with us as we're looking at God's unfailing love and the benefits of following Him and knowing Him. Alex, you were quoting Samuel Johnson, the great Anglican leader, the British uh, Anglican leader, I should say, and he said this, no people can be great who have ceased to be virtuous. Mm. Now, I want you to do something. What does virtuous really mean? It comes from virtues. And if I remember, Peter said something about add to your faith virtue and Mm -hmm. then knowledge. I've always been amazed at that, that he would say add virtue before you add knowledge. Now, what we want to do most of the time is get somebody saved and then pour in the knowledge. You know, memorize this, memorize that. But Peter said in growing in Christ, what you want to add first to your faith? Virtue. Tell Mm. us a little bit about virtuous and virtue. Well, you know, Webster's Dictionary and all of the the great uh, lexicographers, the the like Webster said that virtue is moral excellence and righteousness. Isn't that something that? Uh, and, and by the way, you know, we talk about America, but really America goes back to uh, a thousand years of Great Britain and Britain, uh, British common law, and that's a subset really of what we call Western civilization. And the last 2,000 years of, of what we call Western Civ, before that, Bert, if you look at the history books from 100 years ago plus, they called Western civilization, Western civilization Christendom because, you know, the, the gospel spread, the church was birthed, and really the West that believed in human rights because they came from God, and the worth and the dignity of every human being because we're made in the image of God. And folks, so many of the things that people take for granted, uh, like today, justice. People, oh, I want justice. Uh, Well, the idea that uh, 
people deserve right treatment comes from the Christian idea that uh, Matthew 25, that when we do something right for my neighbor, it's as if I've done it for the Lord. The idea that there is truth and morality and, you know, injustice can be corrected with justice because there's a an ultimate standard of goodness, truth, virtue, morality, uprightness, and that's God. And, and by the way, let me just say this, folks, hang with me here for a second. The only way that we can meaningfully say, this is good, that was bad, something is positive, something over here was negative, there's an unchanging standard of goodness from which we measure. You know, Bert, whenever we say, like, okay, the life of a Billy Graham or a Mother Teresa, that's good. An Adolf Hitler, Osama bin Laden, that's bad. What we're really saying is the life of a Billy Graham conforms more closely to an ultimate standard of good than the life of a Charles Manson, you know? And nowadays, so many people... Uh, they don't want God brought into the the conversation. But look, without God as our standard of goodness, truth, beauty, virtue, righteousness, we can't really meaningfully make moral decisions. So, Bert, back to your question: uh, What is virtue? And and the the Brits, you know, whether it was uh, Blackstone or Gladstone. Or, you know, um, in the colonies, uh, Daniel Webster and Benjamin Franklin that love to correlate, you know, words, they, all, they would always define virtue from a Christian perspective, that virtue is the most that we can possibly try to be righteous. Now, we become righteous by trusting Jesus, and God declares you righteous. But then in terms of our life, we, like you quoted, Bert, we are to add to our, our life virtue, which is the quality of being like the character of God. And Alex, when I hear that, and Peter was saying that, if you do not have this virtue, this moral excellence, when you get the knowledge of the Bible, it will you will distort it because you will try to make it fit into your life, you mm. know, behavior and belief. And so if if I have the the Holy Spirit in my life and he is leading me and I surrender the areas of my life and it is a life long surrender. Day after day, issues come up new that you didn't know, and you say, okay, Lord, I've got to surrender this. But you add that if you do not do that, what you will do with the Word of God as you read it is distort it because your behavior, your mindset will not receive it. Have you ever heard the Bible, this book, will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book? And, and so, Alex, the whole idea of, of this unfailing love of God that he has redeemed his people and he will guide us because we are his holy dwelling, I, I want to share with you, it leads us on a path that will be adventurous, it will be fulfilling, and so that's what Alex and I are trying to share with those who are listening today. Your life can be fulfilled in knowing Jesus Christ, following him, seeking him, obeying him. 
Otherwise, you're going to have this, uh, this issue in your life of meandering through life without the true purpose of God. Alex, mm. we've said it many times. Christianity gives us our origin, our purpose, and our destiny. Now, I, I just want to tell you, that is worth living for. And in Christ, you can know where you came from. You can know where you're going, but you also can know why God has you here. Amen. Wow. Well, folks, this is Exploring the Word, and this is a, a pre-recorded edition. We can't take your phone calls today, but you can email us, word at afr.net. If you want to send a question, your question might become content for a future show, or if you have a comment, or just, we love to hear from you. We really do, and we cherish those emails and bits of correspondence, W-O-R-D, word, at AFR.net. But let's talk about this, the benefits of knowing the Lord. Num- the number one benefit is His unfailing love. This is Exodus 15, 13, that begins with speaking of God's unfailing love. Uh, Bert, i got to tell you what I think is such a, a wonderful illustration about the, the love of God that we learn of in the Word of God. Uh, I was reading Our Daily Bread, and one of the writers is a guy named James Banks, and he grew up in Minnesota on a farm, and I've been up there to preach uh, summer and winter. And let me tell you, up in Minnesota and St. Paul and Minneapolis, boy, they have snow. I saw on frozen lakes out there pickup trucks driving on frozen lakes. And uh, we don't get that down south. Uh, let me tell you, it gets cold. But he was talking about the fact that the huge snow drifts would accumulate, and uh, you couldn't see the barn a hundred feet away because the the whiteout conditions of the blizzards. So what what did the these wise old Minnesota farmers do to get the chores done in the midst of blizzards? They would uh, put a ring, like a metal ring on the side of the house in the barn and stretch a rope or some other line, taunt a uh, hundred feet away to the barn. And the way that you get to the barn when you can't even see straight in all the snow, you hang on to that line, and even though the path is obscured, you hold on to that line, and you get to the barn and feed the animals and everything. And they said, to, if you let go of that line, it could be disastrous because you could get lost. Bert, I was reading that, and I thought about, in a similar way, navigating the landscape of this world. Uh, we've got line by line of Scripture precept upon precept, and keep a a tight grip on the realities of God's love, God's truth. And, you know, from a human perspective, we might not be able to see the path ahead of us, but you hang on to the lines of God's Word, which says His Word is truth. Righteousness exalts a nation. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Bert, just like the, the rope of safety in a, a place of blindness, we've got the promises of God's Word, and He gave us His Word out of His unfailing love. That's encouragement for life in this day and age, I think. It is, and we desperately need it. I mean, when you have all the voices that we're hearing, what is right, and uh, you know, people's rights. Uh, we need the unfailing love of God. We need that line. Alex, that's a great, great illustration that we stick to the line. We hold on to it. Do not turn loose. And that's the hope we have. So God's unfailing love gives us strength for the battle. Uh, 
Alex, God's strength in us is renewed each day. And aren't you amazing? This this comes across my mind. I did not have this on, on my paper to make a note, but it comes to me when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, even though they had failed the test at Kadesh Barnea and they had turned back on God, even during this wandering time, their clothes lasted and the food came from God. God is the, he's our strength. Even, let me say this, if you even turn loose of that line and you're grasping for it and you find it, Praise God, follow it then. And some of you may have gotten off track and, and you're out wandering. God is still there trying to bring you home, trying to help you to know the direction you must go. And in God's strength and in God's wisdom, you can fulfill that and find it. So if you're wandering away, the prodigal son, if you've left and and you've gone back on God like John Mark did on the first uh, Paul's missionary journey, I, when I read about these guys, there's hope for you. If the prodigal could be found and brought home, if John Mark could be helped and strengthened so he could be a benefit not only to Barnabas but to, we know for Paul, he told Timothy, bring John Mark with you. He's profitable for me right now. So if you're out there and you've made a detour, you've gone a wrong way, through God's power and God's strength, you can realign yourself and get right with God. Get a hold of that line as Alex was talking about that and follow him to the destination he has for you. Alex, uh, mm. God's love is enduring forever, isn't it? Well, it is. It, it really is. And, you know, uh, the second benefit of knowing the Lord, I mean, goodness, what a great benefit is his leadership in in our lives. You know, the Exodus 15, 13 verse that we began with, okay, in your unfailing love, okay, but then secondly, you will lead the people you have redeemed. Lead, guide, steer. Uh, and, you know, by the way, there's the phrase course correction. I'm glad that if we do get off track, we serve a God that will lovingly offer us course correction. I know this is not original with me, but you've uh, seen this little saying, I'm sure, Bert, you know, if you're going in the wrong direction, well, God allows U-turns, you know? <laughs> Amen. Uh, so um, let me just say this, folks. Uh, we often talk about the, the attributes or the nature of God that make all of these assurances possible. God's strength. God is omnipotent. He has all the strength. God's wisdom. He knows everything. I mean, praise the Lord. Uh, I don't know everything, but I can align myself and connect myself to the Lord who does have all of the wisdom. God's holiness, and God is perfect and righteous, and that's part of why he's eternal, because in him is no darkness at all. God is light. God is love. God is holiness. And God's kingdom and he owns this universe but he's got a kingdom and he's inviting you to come there but Bert um, I, the more I look back I think about how foolish I've been at times to really you know growing up I, I remember Angie and I got married and I was wondering how uh, how can I provide for a wife and then how can I go to seminary 
and put food on the table when I was a youth pastor, uh, making about $5,000 a year, you know. Uh, but I look back and the leadership of God, um, and, and let me just say this, and Bert, I want you to elaborate on this if you would. Look, I, I believe in being proactive and you got to work hard and, you know, it's it's there's God's responsibilities, but then there's our responsibility. And James says, faith without works is dead. But you don't have to scheme and you don't have to network and schmooze your way into meeting the right people. God's got the right people. And if you're the what you do, if you want success in life, is give your heart to Jesus and keep your heart pure and yielded to Jesus Christ. God's got all the connections. God knows not only people, circumstances, opportunities. Isn't great leadership really submitting to God's leadership? I I know that is true. Um, I know for certain I did not have all great leadership as a teenager and I wasn't the one that said, let's go, you know. But God can develop that in you as you trust him. He, If he can lead you, he can help you lead others. With that in mind, I could not help but think of Joshua when the children of Israel got ready to go into the promised land in Joshua chapter 3. And they was talking about the ark. When you see the ark go forth, follow it. And he said, follow the ark and listen to these words. For you have not passed this way before. Mm. I'm taking you, un- far as you, is uncharted territory for you. But guess what? They're not uncharted for me, says the Lord. We can trust his leadership. We can follow him. And we can know him. I pray that you're following the Lord. We'll be back with more right after the break. Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Connect with Alex and Bert on the Exploring the Word Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. of knowing the Lord that give us assurance. And, you know, Bert, whenever we talk about this, we talk about the nature of God and all the blessings we have in Christ. I mean, it lifts my spirits. It's like revival. And, uh, you know, folks, the word revival, and we surely do need one, but revival means a return to the things that bring life. That's what that word means. And uh, we need to ever be thinking about who God is and all that we have in God and pray and recommit ourselves to God. And, you know, sometimes churches will have a once a year or maybe twice a year revival meeting. Hey, sometimes in our personal heart, we we need a a once a day revival meeting. (laughs) And Bert, I think that when we just get back to these basics about everything that we have in Jesus and we might have failed him you, you think you've failed him a hundred times in rapid succession. He still wants you back, and his arms are open for you to return to him. That 
gets my batteries recharged. Amen. You're talking about revival. One of my heroes is a man called Gypsy Smith. He was a traveling preacher, evangelist. And during that period of time, they would have what they call brush arbors. And uh, it would be similar to tents today, but they would have an area. And it was usually, uh, you know, in the rural area, uh, late in the uh, summer or because what they had, they had what they call the fields, the crops laid by, and they would have a time when it wasn't so busy. A lot of churches wondering, especially here in the South, why you always have revival there in the month of August? Well, it's not because it's hot. It's because most of the fields had, you know, you had the fields laid by, the crops were growing, and there wasn't this from sun up to sundown work, and you had some time, and that's when they would have them. So Gypsy Smith would come, and they would put sawdust out on the ground so if it rained, you wouldn't just have mud. You'd have the sawdust. And so they would come, and he'd start his revival, and he'd have everybody stand up. And he'd say, everybody standing, he said, make a semicircle with your right foot. And you would do that half a circle. Now connect that circle with your left foot, and you'd begin that. And then he'd say, let revival begin inside my circle. So this is what we're praying. Alex, you was talking about renewing that which was dead. Uh, even, let me just say this, even if our country, and I'm praying our country would have an awakening. I am, and I know you do more, and you talk about it quite often. We can still have revival inside our hearts, inside of our lives. We can be right with God when everybody else is going the wrong way. That is the leadership of the Lord. He can lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He will lead you through, you know, by the still waters. He will lead you. Alex, uh, that's his enduring love that he would carry us and lead us through, isn't it? Well, it absolutely is. And, you know, um, a quote, um, two colleagues that we have in ministry, uh, John Avant, who is a, a great leader. In fact, I did work for the North American Mission Board years ago when he was there, and Alvin Reed, uh, professor of evangelism. But they wrote a book about revival, and they said, quote, apart from revival, the church begins to look something like less than a church. A religious club, maybe perhaps a high-energy show or a low-energy funeral, but something less than a church is meant to be or can be. We need a revival. We, we really do. And look, I love the church. I've been in hundreds and hundreds of churches. But Bert, with 345,000 churches, uh, George Barna believes 100 million adults that are probably born again, half a million clergy, goodness, with, you know, one and a half million Christians and 300 and some thousand churches, our nation should have been evangelized three times over. So we do need a revival, and it can begin today with you and me. And we're talking about reflecting on what it means to know the Lord, His unfailing love, His trustworthy leadership, but then think about this. I mean, think about this, his merciful redemption. It says that God will lead the people he has redeemed. Here's a question. Are you one of those that he's redeemed? Your redemption, your forgiveness, salvation, call it what you will, to be born again, to be saved, to be forgiven, restored. It's as close by as a prayer. Please believe that. Bert and I both could validate this with 
with dozens of scriptures, but Jesus loves you. He really does. Jesus loves you. Doesn't matter what you, how bad you think you are. Look, we're all sinners that needed Jesus. So Jesus loves you. He will respond if you'll call out to him in prayer. He will wash your sins away. He will lead the people he has redeemed. And in his strength, he will guide you to his, not only a home in heaven hereafter, but he'll guide you here. All of that is part of this wonderful reality called redemption. And Bert, it's hard to be down and blue when you think about how in his grace he's shown his love. I mean, look, we could be dead and in hell right now. Any one of us could have been dead, passed away, and eternally lost. And yet, because of his love, he's redeemed you. If you've not yet trusted Jesus, he's allowing you to hear this broadcast right now to give you one more chance to turn to Jesus. Um, his love, it makes us want to be grateful, doesn't it? It really does. And the redemption we're talking about is... Uh, you know, on the slave market of sin, I could not help but think of Gomer and Hosea, the story of Hosea's redeeming love for his wife, who unfaithfulness continued and continued and continued until her life was completely wasted. And she was on, the only way to say it, slave market. And he paid the price financially to get her back as his wife. Now, that was a picture of what Christ could do uh, for us. It's a picture of what God had done for Israel. And again, but it shows you the redemption. How It's not because we were so good that we were redeemed. Matter of fact, it says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible makes it plain that our very best righteousness that we could produce within ourselves is as filthy rags. And so this redemption is for those of us who, who, who were lost, undone, no hope, but through his love, again, you said it well, unfailing love, he redeemed us. So the whole idea, have you been redeemed? Has there been a time in your life where you received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, where you knew that there was nothing that you could offer him that was saying, oh, I deserve heaven? No, there's nothing that would make you worthy of it, but he thought you were worth something in order to pay the price to redeem you. Have you been bought with a price? If you have, glorify God in your bodies. And so, Alex, that's the whole idea. His leadership is in this area of redemption, and in those that have been redeemed, he leads us. There's this old song, he leadeth me, he leadeth me, O blessed thought, he leadeth me. And, and he does lead us. We need to walk in his ways and his purposes. And when we do that, I want to tell you, we will experience the joy of the Lord. Uh, it, won't it will not necessarily be easy. Uh, and I'm not going to say you're always going to be happy, happy, because it's based on what's going on in my life. But you can have the joy of the Lord in your life. You remember the Apostle Paul, he was in prison in Philippi, writing uh, excuse me, writing to the church at Philippi while he was in prison. 
And what was the theme of the Philippian letter? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, yeah. I say rejoice. When? In prison. That's, yeah, that speaks loudly. Cell. Yeah, it's loud speaking, isn't it? Well, well, it is. And that's why, and we always say this, folks, but it, I, I believe it is imperative to have this joy, even in the hardest of situations, to have stability and a consistency, to get off of the roller coaster of ups and downs and hot and cold and I'm on, I'm off. The the key, you say, well, what's the difference between uh, joy and composure and stability and just imploding? In the life of the believer, the difference is the role that the Bible plays in your life. I mean, we every one of our shows is based on Scripture, and our preaching portion today, if you will, our teaching passage was Exodus 15 and several others that we've alluded to. But in talking about revival, look, all of the great revivals in history involve prayer, uh, righteousness, evangelistic urgency, but a return to Scripture. People will, they ask me sometimes, Bert, how will I know when revival has come to America? Well, a lot of things, people getting saved, Christians getting reconciled and coming together, but one of the earmarks of revival is a return to the authority of Scripture. And look, you can be saved and neglect the Bible. I don't recommend it. But you'll never be everything that you could be for Christ. And you'll never experience the joy and just the, the, the permeating peace and fulfillment with Jesus unless the Bible is a part of your everyday nutrition. But I, I just believe that the state of the Christian is directly tied to the role of the Bible in their everyday life. And and the Word of God will not return void. He will send it forth, and it will accomplish what He desires. So the Word of God is quick and powerful than any two-edged sword. The Word of God is the stability that we rely upon. Now, again, the reason we want to know the Word, the Bible, is because that is the way that we can know God better. Yes, Alex, you was talking about being a Christian and not spending the time in the Word of God. You will not know God as well when you can combine His presence with the power of His Word in our lives. You have a winning combination. Now, when I say winning, that means that fulfilling His purpose in your life, walking in His steps, uh, not turning to the left or to the right, but setting your face as a flint toward God. That's the whole idea. And in this redemption, he's redeemed us, and he has a plan for us. Again, we shared about Christianity having our origin and our destiny, but in the middle of it is our purpose. Uh, if, If he had no purpose for us in this life, right after we were born again, he would have taken us to heaven. But he has left us here as a witness. You remember what Jesus said? Uh, Before he was taken away in Acts 1, he said, You shall be my witnesses. We are to testify of all that God has done in our lives. And when you take that and combine it with the power of the Word of God through the Holy Spirit in our lives, 
I want to tell you, Alex, I do believe it will go forth and accomplish. And when we respond to that, we will see the hand of God, and he will pour out his blessings more and more. So we want to depend upon his unfailing love for all that he's done in our lives, for the leadership, for the redemption that he has given us, and we want to follow him completely as we follow him in his ways. Mm. Let me share something as as we begin to wrap up here, the benefits of knowing the Lord that give us assurance, his love, his leadership, his redemption. As we wrap up, I want to read a little bit from Psalm 119, which we we love. Uh, the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, but Psalm uh, 119 in verse 162, it says, I rejoice at thy word as one that finds great spoil. I mean, it's like finding... Uh, the nuggets of Scripture. Imagine you're out taking a walk and you stumble upon, you know, a, a chunk of gold, great spoil. Well, do you rejoice at God's Word like you've found some great treasure? But it goes on, and it says in verse 165 of Psalm 119, Great peace have they who love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Now, the wording there, it literally means nothing shall cause them to stumble. Isn't that something? Great peace have they which love thy law. On the flip side, we could say uh, unrest and lack of peace have those that ignore or neglect God's law. Uh, you, you don't want to stumble? Then stand on that solid rock of Scripture. It says in verse 166, Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. My soul ha- has kept your testimonies and I love them exceedingly. Folks, do you love the Word of God exceedingly? If you love the Lord, and I, I hope you do, I, I'm sure you do, but if you love the Lord, you're going to love His Word. And so talking about revival, talking about the stability and the joy that every every one of us wants, and we certainly need it in this day and age, it, it's going to be, it, it is possible for you, but it will only be actual for you, as in your heart, you you stay committed to Christ, and every day that source of endless nutrition, you're feeding on the Word of God, and you can do that. You know, God's grace is sufficient for all people. God's grace is sufficient for our nation if we would turn to Him, and as history has shown so many times, when, when people repent and turn back to God, He receives them and he pours out his love and presence and power in their lives. Psalm 119, if you want to know a lot about what the Bible says about the Word of God, Psalm 119, let me give you one more, 130. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Listen, let God's Word abide in your heart. Let it take place, for it shows us his unfailing love. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. We appreciate you so much. Tell someone about this program and all the programs on on AFR. But more importantly, we want you to tell everybody about the Lord Jesus Christ and His unfailing love. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.